Hello, this is Danielle Freitag with Jenna DeYoung, Real Talk Podcast, encouraging faith and inspiring restoration. Sharing tips, tools, and talk, we're exploring a biblical worldview that empowers and prompts faith in action. Real Talk Podcast. This is Danielle. And Jenna. Hey, guys. Yes. And this is episode eight. Um, Already, the season is flying by, right? Oh, my goodness. Eight. So last week, we talked about uh, Balenciaga and just the horrific exploitation of children. If you have not heard that message, please go back and listen to it. Um, It's so important that we as the bride of Christ, as the church, have an understanding of what is going on in our times and not just what's going on, but what we can do about it. Um, But for this episode, we want to talk about Jesus. We really want to focus on Jesus and what a better, um, just what a a perfect um, episode, right, to talk about Christ. And um, we're just, I'm sitting here with my Bible open to chapter 8, of um John and Jesus talking about abiding in his word so verse 31 if you abide in my word you are truly my disciple and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free right so let me just back up and say our episode last time it was kind of challenging because we're talking about real world events that are really hard to look at especially you know whether you're a parent or not um and so this episode, we just, we want to set our eyes on Jesus. We want to look at him. We want to get in the word together and just bring hope and and bring encouragement really. So, um, right, Jenna, we were just talking about the beginning of chapter eight and, and what's going on. So, right, the woman caught in adultery, um, what's going on in, in John chapter eight? Yeah. So it says, um, basically we have Jesus. We have the adulterous woman and we have the Pharisees. And, you know, what we see here is, um, you know, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, but the Pharisees are stuck in the old covenant. They're stuck under the law. Um, They're very condemning. And it's like they couldn't forget the old. You know, Jesus was there and he was bringing the new. He brought a new covenant. Um, Jesus was, you know, our way to a relationship with him, to freedom, to healing, to all of these things. And Jesus was very forgiving and the Pharisees just couldn't understand this. (laughs) They just like, they just like, couldn't get it right. Like they wanted to stone her. They said that this is what the law says that we should do is that we should stone her. And, um, As you read through, you know, the rest of the story, you'll find that they got offended, um, that they like ganged up on Jesus and they were judging based on the outward appearance. And we know that that's not what Jesus does, that Jesus judges based on our 
on our hearts. And, you know, Jesus is basically the exact opposite of everything that they were, you know, Jesus removes all accusing voices. He removed all the accusing voices. He brought the new covenant. He brought light. Jesus literally walked in the earth unoffendable. He was not offended by men. You know, he knew exactly who was he was. He knew exactly who his father was. And he did exactly what the father said to do. And instead of trying, like, I just think about how the Pharisees wanted to stone her and kill her. Okay. But Jesus like ended up dying for us, you know, like he died for us. And so I, I don't know. I just, I recently read through John eight one morning and I just was seeing, we were just talking about this, right? Like the different of like, what is religion and what is actually Jesus? What is, what is Jesus? Mm, Yeah. Right. There's, there's a difference there and you can see it so much in, in John chapter eight. And if I may, I just want to interject. I, this, this story, like, again, also just was reading this in a Bible study, but you know, they, they're trying to, to trap Jesus in his words. And of course he knows that. So right. Verse six, this, they said to test him that they mm-hmm. might have some charge to bring against him, right? So they're they're so caught up in like pointing the finger. Okay, yeah. so Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And I love this. I've been thinking about this. What did he write? What did he write? And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more, he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones, and Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Okay, so I know that that your Bible had some commentary. Um, do you do you have that? I it, it's something that I read as well about. There's just some thoughts about you know over the years what Jesus may have wrote, and you know particular to this chapter, right right before it, he'd actually been talking about being the living water. And um, just to give some context, right, you know, in chapter seven, he's talking about rivers of living water. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. Um, but then here in chapter eight, this this is happening. But do you have that, Jenna? What what is your uh, I know you had some commentary there that you just shared. Yeah, my Bible in the note says Jesus wrote in the dust to fulfill Jeremiah's prophecy that those who forsake God will be written in the dust. All of the accusers were guilty of having forsaken God, the fountain of living water, and yet they're yet um, were so anxious to stone this woman to death. The same finger that wrote the Ten Commandments in stone also wrote the names of each of the accusers, or perhaps he wrote Jeremiah seventeen thirteen in the dirt in front of their eyes, pointing to their hypocrisy, and you know, like. Something that like when you were just speaking um, a little bit before this, it was like the Pharisees were waiting and watching to accuse Jesus. Like they were, they had the spirit about him where they were, they were like literally waiting and watching for him to do something wrong so that they could accuse him. And isn't that like what the enemy does? Exactly. And isn't, and like, I don't know. I mean, I think like a really hard question listeners is, is that like, have we ever done that? Have we ever been waiting and watching someone so that we can accuse them? Mm. I I think that we would be really startled if we were really honest with ourselves and, and we 
we, we, we were honest, you know, um, because that is not the type of spirit, you know, that, that we, that we want to bring. And that is not of the Lord. And like I read just earlier, like Jesus was the one who removed all accusing voices, you know, like Jesus, like I remember before I got filled with the spirit, I had all of these accusing voices from the enemy in my mind, all about my self-worth and my identity and how I looked and they were, it was tormenting. And what happened is Jesus removed those tormenting thoughts, you know, from my mind and I got to experience for the first time what it was like to have a free mind, um, to have no accusing voice um, in my mind. And so that was just one thing I wanted to point out. No, that's so good. That's so good. Because, right, the enemy is is referred to as the accuser of the brethren. So we never want to partner with the accuser of the brethren and bring accusation or bring words that are um, harmful or, or divisive, right? We want to speak life. And I know we've talked about this before, but this just fits so well. So I love that. And, you know, Jesus, something about this chapter too, that, that I just love is that Jesus, you know, if you think about what's going on, he's defending her in a way, like he's, he says, I have not, I mean, he's basically saying, I have not condemned you. So verse 10, Jesus stood up and said to her woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you, right? Yeah. So like Jesus is saying, neither do I condemn you. And that's all we need to know. And then says, from now on, sin no more, right? Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> wow. And then, and you know, and then it goes on. He's he's talking about in, in the next couple of chapters being the light of the world and that whoever follows him will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And I know I'm kind of skipping around here, but this is just so good. Um, he also says in verse 31, talking about the truth, setting you free. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free, right? There's really a way of living where we are disciples, right? We're letting the word, um, the Holy Spirit bring direction to our lives um, you know, being being in the word, speaking the word, singing the word, whatever, whatever it might be. Um, which is so good. And I know, Jenna, right, you've been you've been studying and just reading about what a disciple's life is. Um, you know, share share more about that. Yeah, just you know, within the last couple of weeks here, like the Lord was just bringing me to some of these words in the Bible where there was extreme intimacy. Like um, you think about the word disciple. And I think about in the Bible, when Jesus was speaking to the multitude and how like there was a sifting that happened there when he said, basically, you have to love everything less than me in order to follow me in order to be my disciple. And um, yeah, I just think about that. Like, you know, we have to love our desire to be successful and have money. We have to desire that less than Jesus. We have to lay aside, you know, some of these things. Um, It says your father, your mother, you know, we have to, we have to lay aside these things to be a disciple of Jesus. And it's, it's the laying down of your life, which it's the dying to yourself um, and submitting to this life of discipleship. 
but there's some other words that God was bringing me to like a bond servant who's someone who, you know, was, it was free. It was that you're free to go, but because they love their master so much, they would rather be enslaved to their master than go off and do their own. So I was thinking of that word. And then of course the bride, you know, um, and like a maiden. So a maiden is someone who loves until death. And so, yeah, I just, I've been studying these words and just meditating on like, man, at the end of the Bible in revelation, it says the spirit and the bride say, come, come Lord Jesus. And so when Jesus returns, he's returning for a bride. And I always think about how marriage is the most intimate relationship, you know, that there is. And that is what Jesus offers us. He offered, he says, come and marry me, come and come and marry me, Um, which, you know, might sound, I mean, to me, it was for a while. I thought it was, I mean, I didn't think it was weird, but I just, I didn't really have revelation of it until, you know, these last six months, seven months or whatever that like, oh my gosh, like God wants to be married to me. Like Jesus is coming back for a bride. That means he wants to marry me. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Like we're readying ourselves, right? Yeah. We're getting ready. We're getting yeah. ready. And you know what? This just reminds me too of the Maranatha cry, right? Mm-hmm. Come, come Lord Jesus. Like the, what's going to be going on, right? As you read through revelation and even thinking back to our last podcast, right? When you look and you see the depravity and the different things that are happening and, and there's going to be light and dark, there's going to be the kingdom of God and the worldly system, right? We need to be so connected and close to Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. That, you know, when we're seeing these things, there's such a cry, like, come Jesus, right? Like you are the answer. You are the the solution. You are justice. And there's going to be such a heart cry that's unified of Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, come, Mm -hmm. right? And it says that, um, I mean, all throughout scripture really, but definitely Jenna, like you were saying in revelation, right? There's that cry that comes forth, right? There's a bride that is ready for the bridegroom. And I just, I love, um, I remember the first time getting just a little, little bit of revelation on the, you know, bride and bridegroom and hearing about, um, I think it was Mike Bickle and the song of songs at one of the one thing conferences just years back and starting to get these little revelations of, wow, like I'm a part of the bride. I am the bride and Jesus is coming back for me. Just like it says in John 14, Jesus says, right. That he is coming back, that he's coming back for us. And so it's just, um, it gives hope, right. When we look and we see the things that are happening, um, and the pressure in the culture, let it, let it cause, let that cause us to seek Christ more. And I know you've been getting up like super early, Jenna, you know, bless your heart. I I'm, I'm still, you know, my timing in the morning. Um, it's such a sweet time with the Lord. It's not as early as, as that, but you know, just setting time aside with the Lord and, and being in the word and, and being in unity too with community, you know, it's so important, so important that we can encourage one another in these times and stay connected and, um, yeah, just encourage each other in the word. So yeah. Anything else, Jenna, about being a disciple? Otherwise we can go back into John eight and we'll wrap up here. Well, you know, you know, as we're talking about like the bride uh, being a disciples, I recently was also in revelation 21 
which the book of Revelation listeners, if you haven't really dug into that, um, it's all about prophecy about the end times and the things that are going to happen. But in Revelation 21, it's talking about a holy city. And so I think we just read recently, or maybe it's in Matthew where it talks about like, we're a city on a hill. So like, it's actually referring to like the city is the bride of Christ. And it talks in here about the lamb's wife and, and all of these things. But I recently read through Revelation 21 and I almost like wrote these um, declarations or Danielle, I think you use the word like affirmation statements or whatever. Um, but this is going to be the heart posture and what the bride, um, um, looks like. And so I want to read a couple of these. So revelation 21, six, and I wrote, I will drink from the fountain of living water. Revelation 21, seven, I will continue being like a child. 21.3, God tabernacles with me. <laughs> like what? Like this oh, is oh, I like that one. I love um, 21.4. Death is entirely eliminated from my life. Mm. Um 21.4. I have no pain from wounds. 21.9. I am the wife of the lamb. Um 2110 and Hebrews 12.1. I operate out of a heavenly realm. Um, I operate from heaven. I always think about that. How like in Ephesians 2, it says how like we're co-seated with Christ and we're literally seated in heavenly places. And how like, do you ever just like close your eyes and just imagine the throne of God, Jesus there? And then you're literally sitting with Jesus and that how like we can literally operate like out of that place. Like, how do we tap into that? <laughs> like, how, how do we operate out of that? You know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, just a couple more. I am the temple of the lamb. And then this one I was going to bring up when you were talking last, but the lamb is my light in my lamp because in the end times, the church is going to have the bride is going to have this revelation that when we talks about, there's not going to be any more sun or moon or whatever. And it's like, because Jesus, Jesus is the only light. He's the only light in life to our, um, our lives. Mm. Amen. Amen. That's so good. So good. I feel like that's a wrap. <laughs> there's not much more to add than that. It's so good. I just send me those affirmations. No, that's good. I love it. And that's such a, um, a beautiful way and a right way and a just I don't even know I don't have the words for it but way to pray right is using using yeah. the word is taking the word and speaking it out over your life um and so just those are great those are great words <laughs> those are great living words so very very good I love first um is it verse four and we'll just we'll just close with this so revelation 21 4 and Jenna those were the affirmations from that he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed so we have a new jerusalem and a hope and um right christ is coming the king is coming the king is coming